Hey guys, welcome to the Swerve Church Podcast. My name is Danny, the lead pastor. I pray that the message that you're about to hear is encouraging, uplifting, and honestly challenging as well. I want to invite you to join us in person Sundays at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub at 239 Stanhope Street, or catch church online at 11 a.m. on our YouTube or Facebook page. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I pray that you're blessed by today's message and that it helps draw you closer to Jesus. Hey guys, let's begin our time by opening up our Bibles. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to read just two verses today, and then we're going to teach from this text. This is Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. It says this, Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. You guys pray with me? God, as we open up your word today and as we begin to study, God, what it has to say in these two verses, I just pray, God, that it may impact us profoundly, that you would help us to understand these texts and that you would give us the strength uh, in, in your Holy Spirit to go and put it into practice in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. At the end of chapter one, if you guys remember, Paul encourages the Philippians to live as citizens of heaven, meaning that we live in this world, but that we don't put all our hope from it. We, there's something better coming, that you can be proud of your nationality or where you come from or your heritage, but that your true residence, our true citizenship is with God. So Paul challenged us as citizens of heaven to live worthy of the gospel. And this is what we've been fleshing out for the past few weeks. Last week, we were challenged with having a Christ-like humility that puts others' needs before our own. Today, as we continue deeper into chapter 2, we're continuing the same school of thought. We're going to continue to learn how to live worthy of the gospel. Now, I'm going to be upfront with you and tell you that we're going to come across a phrase that Paul uses in today's passage that is going to take some understanding because it opens up a whole can of worms that leads to a major differentiation between what we believe as Christians and other world religions, or even some religions that classify themselves as Christian but wrongly misinterpret this verse. So if you guys are up for the challenge, let's dig into God's word. All right, we're going to pick it up by reading once more Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Paul begins by saying this. He says, Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but even more in my absence. I want you guys to remember what we mentioned at the start of our series. The church in Philippi is full of Paul's friends. These are personal relationships that he has. These are people that he's personally led to the Lord. He's discipled them and he's even baptized some. And so he commends them by saying, just as you have always obeyed. In other words, Paul is saying to the church in Philippi, guys, you are doing a great job. You're growing in your faith. You're following the instructions I left you. You're drawing closer to God. You're growing in Christ's likeness. Way to go, guys. I'm so proud of you. Uh, by the way, who doesn't need a voice like that in their life, right? Someone who can encourage you and lift your spirits and help motivate you in your walk with Christ. Let me encourage you guys. Let's, let me encourage us 
to be that voice for one another. Or then he goes on and he says, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence. There's two things I think that we can gather from this. Paul, as their founding pastors, proud of the progress they've made in the gospel, but he realizes that he won't be around them forever. Remember, Paul at this moment is physically distant from them. He's penning these words from his imprisonment, but also literally his neck is on the line. He's waiting to hear word from Rome on whether or not his life will be spared, not to mention the beatings that he's gotten all from sharing the gospel. And so he realizes that his time is limited. And nothing brings a pastor more joy than to see his church family thriving, growing, exercising their gifts, and advancing the gospel. You know, those of you that have children, you totally understand this. I have three of my own. I don't want my kids to be like me. My desire is for them to be better than their dad, to be more successful, to love the Lord more, to love people more, to live in a better apartment one day, to drive a better car, and to be better parents than I ever could have been. Long after I'm gone, I want them to live out a greater legacy than I have. And Paul is saying, you guys are doing great, but I'm on my way out. It's up to you to continue the legacy, to continue living out your faith with or without me. Continue living lives worthy of the gospel. Guys, let me encourage you to make sure that this is true of you. At the end of the day, nothing would bring me more joy than to see all of you thriving in your walk with Christ, exercising your God-given gifts, growing in your knowledge of the word and of the gospel. Swerve is cool, and I'm grateful to God for the honor. But at the end of the day, I want to see you thrive. Whether I'm here or not, whether Swerve is here or not, make sure that you keep your eyes on Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. So what does Paul ask his friends to do in his absence? Like last week, I have one big idea that we're going to dissect. So if you're taking notes, you can write this down. As citizens of heaven, we work from salvation with reverence and awe by the power of God. So let's examine today's passage and let's take apart this big idea. The first thing is as citizens of heaven, number one, we work from salvation. Check out how Paul says it. Therefore, my dear friends... Just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation. Now, this needs some explanation because oftentimes we read a phrase like this and we draw the conclusion that salvation is contingent on us. In other words, that in order for us to be saved, we have to work for it. Another way you can say this is that in order to be saved, you have to earn your salvation, but Is this what Paul is saying? And not at all. And if you read the rest of Paul's writing, you know that this is not what Paul teaches. Paul is not saying to work for, but to work out our salvation. In other words, we work from salvation, not for it. And this is a major distinction. You know, many world religions teach that in order to experience salvation, you have to earn it. But Christianity is very different. Christianity teaches that it is impossible to earn salvation. Instead, salvation is a free gift of God's grace. So then working out means that we work from a place of salvation, of the salvation that we've already experienced in Christ. The long and the short of it is this. True, genuine conversion is evidenced by the fruit that one bears in their life. And this is when we're growing in Christ-likeness. Not that we're perfect, 
but that God is doing an active work in our life to conform us more and more into the image of Christ. Uh, one commentator on this passage, he says it this way. Check out this quote. God has worked salvation for us by his sovereign grace alone. Christ has done the work on the cross to bring us justification. Sanctification is about living in light of this gracious gift of salvation, living in light of our new position and our new identity. Think of it this way, and I absolutely hate talking about this, but if it helps you understand this concept, then I'll embarrass myself, okay? A couple of years ago, I made some personal life decisions. I was fed up with my weight, and I decided to make some personal changes. Now listen, I didn't publicize it. I didn't take pictures with the hashtag new year, new me. I didn't post pictures of what I had for lunch or how I was transforming, but I made these changes in my lifestyle and eating habits and the weight just started coming off. And people would come to me and say, Danny, did you lose weight? You lost so much weight. People started asking me how, how I did it. More than a few people came to me and accused me of doing a surgery to lose the weight because I lost so much. Now, why do I bring this up? Because I was working out a plan I had made up in my mind and the decisions I made was evidenced on the outside. It didn't need to be publicized. The decision I made, the working out of the plan, it was evident. People could see it. And it's the same thing with our walk with Christ. We work from a place of salvation because of a decision we made to make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior, to accept the work He's done on our behalf for forgiveness of sin and new life. The work of God is evident in our lives by the fruit that we bear. So we work out our own salvation. We pursue Christ. We study the scriptures. We draw close to God. We live generously. We serve sacrificially. We love ferociously. Not to earn God's love, but because we've already experienced it. Do you guys see a difference there? So as citizens of heaven, we work from salvation, number two, with reverence and awe. Look back at verse 12. Just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. When was the last time that you were absolutely awestruck? I've never been to the Grand Canyon, but I hear people who've gone there and have had their breath taken away at how vast of a sight it is. Or if you've ever been hiking and you stood under the shade of a huge tree, you know, going up 100 feet in the sky, maybe you've been awestruck and overwhelmed by that sight. I remember going on one of my first cruises ever and, and, and a vivid memory of stepping out onto the balcony and seeing nothing but blue skies and blue ocean thinking how large I thought this ship was when I first walked onto it. But yet this massive cruise ship was just a speck in God's ocean. The astronaut Neil Armstrong, who flew into space, is famous for this quote as he looked at the earth from thousands of miles away. He said, It suddenly struck me that that tiny pea, pretty and blue, was the earth. I put my thumb and, and shut one eye and my thumb blotted out the planet earth. I didn't feel like a giant. I felt very, very small. When we consider God, that is the feeling that we should experience. We should be struck with awe and wonder. And that's the picture that Paul is painting. When he talks about fear, he's not talking about a hiding under your bed with a flashlight kind of fear or a Freddy Krueger, Jason and Chucky all coming after to get you, come, coming after you to get you kind of fear. 
He's talking about the reverence, the respect, the awe, the wonder of the greatness of God. And then on top of just how awesome he is, to know that the God of the universe allows us and invites us to partner with him to work out our salvation. It's like the reverence and awe and wonder that the psalmist expresses when he said this, when I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, what is human being that you remember him? A son of man that you look after him. So when we think of God, we stand in awe. We stand in awe of the God of the universe that invites us into his mission and calls us and empowers us and gifts us to work out our salvation, to love, serve, and give. Are you awestruck of God? Our God is not mundane or ordinary or average or mediocre. He is amazing and describable and containable and powerful. So the only reasonable response is fear and trembling, reverence and awe. We work from salvation with reverence and awe. Number three, by the power of God. Here's how Paul says it. For it is God who is working in you, both to will and to work according to his good purpose. And here's the key. Paul reminds us that this working out of our salvation, this working from the grace we've already experienced through Christ, is not by our might or by our power. In case you heard the previous statements and thought, wow, I'm, I'm pretty special stuff. I'm the hot stuff. No, Paul reminds us that it's not about us. It's all about God, that he's the one that's doing all of the work. Paul says that he's working in you to will. In other words, that God is working in us so that any desires you have, the urge or any inkling to serve the Lord and serve others, that's all him. Paul says that God's working in you to work. In other words, he's the one who gives you strength. He sustains you in the work. He gives you the energy. He creates oxygen so that you can breathe. He fires up the neurons in your brain so that you can think and reason and form thoughts and plan. God is the one who pumps your heart so that blood can flow through your veins and give you life to move your hands to action to work out your salvation to do the work that he's prepared in advance for us to do. It's all about God. And then to top it all off, it's all for his good purposes. Because at the end of the day, God will get all the glory. God's plans will get fulfilled. God's heart, God's love, God's passion will be put on display. Often in our working, many times we do so from places of selfish ambition or from wanting recognition. A lot of times we want pomp and circumstance. We want to be seen. We, we have our own plans and ulterior motives in our working. But God works both the will and the work according to his good purposes. And it's all done by his power. Let me wrap up our time this way. If you are a follower of Jesus, God has called you and saved you for a reason and with a purpose. So from an overflow of gratitude, we work from a place of salvation. So what do we do? The short answer is, whatever he calls you to. And then we stand awestruck before the God that not only saves us and extends his mercy, but also invites us to be on mission with him. We recognize that anything and everything that we do is only but by the grace of God. That it is only by the power of God who works in and through us. And it's all for the glory of God. Now, if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, 
the question I ask you is whose glory are you living for? Because you're either living for the glory of God or for the glory of self, the glory of career, glory of legacy, glory of an idea. But you're invited into a greater narrative, one that is centered on the God of the universe. He made a provision for you through Jesus. And Jesus lived the perfect and sinless life that we were incapable of living, and He died the death that we deserve. But on the third day, He rose so that we can have forgiveness of sin, new life, our eternity secured, and so that we can have a renewed sense of purpose. And this is available to everyone and anyone who would put their faith in Jesus. And if you haven't done so, you have the opportunity to do so today. All you have to do is receive this free gift of God's grace. And so God, we thank you today for the salvation you've provided for us. And I pray, God, that you would help us from the overflow of our salvation to work from what you've already done. And Lord, we stand in awe of you, of who you are, of what you've done, of your magnitude, of your greatness. We stand awestruck. We acknowledge that it's all ultimately done by your power, that it is your breath in our lungs. So we give you all the glory. And for those today, God, that are on the cusp of understanding who you are, of, of understanding Jesus, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would push them closer to you and that they might make a decision to put their faith and trust in Jesus, that you would save them and that you would grant them that renewed purpose. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Guys, I truly pray and hope that you were challenged and encouraged by today's message. I want to take a second to invite you to join us in person. We're gathering this Sunday at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub, 239 Stanhope Street, right here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And come on over, join us, come to the Swerve Hub. Let's worship together. Let's get together. Let's worship God together. Let's learn and grow together. Let's fellowship together. Why don't you come on out and join us in person this Sunday?